Hello and welcome to Story Mode, episode 33, Descent to Deadrock. If you've never seen the show before, we haven't done one of these in a minute. Uh, Story Mode is a spoiler cast where we sit down and talk about a game that we all played through in technically the last 30 days, but we're making some small changes to the format. So we're going to try and put out episodes more frequently, and we're going to be doing maybe shorter episodes. We'll see how this goes. And uh, we're going to be talking about with the hopefully shorter games um, to try and get through more and also be able to put out episodes more frequently. It's it's a whole thing. So, Descent to Deadrock. If you haven't played Descent to Deadrock, end the stream now, end the recording now, and whatever you're listening to and go play the game, or just accept that you're going to be spoiled on literally everything that happens. Now, let me introduce my co-hosts. Eggman, how are you doing? I'm doing excellently. Uh, for those of you who have watched the podcast in the past, I uh, definitely have a different background. That's because I've moved. Uh, but yeah, glad to be back. And uh, LRF Lou, our producer extraordinaire with the fancy background. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I think I've gotten better at these intros in the time that we've been gone because I've been recording a lot of stuff. Anyway, shall we get started? Lewis, this was your pick. So do you want to give us the pitch? I originally played this game, which I'm just going to refer to as Morningstar, because Morningstar was originally a Flash game that was, you know, on the interwebs, and eventually they decided to do a Steam release, and they made a couple of changes with it. And it's worth mentioning real quick what they changed. One of the big selling points of the Steam version was that they added a voiceover, so they added audio to the actual vo- to the actual text lines, but I found evidence that the Flash game, at least some version of it, already had the voice lines, and they removed it as a selling point for the Steam version, which is weird. Uh, but the other things they changed is the cutscenes became a lot higher quality, and I think even some of the art backgrounds and stuff, because this is basically point-and-click adventure, so it's, you know, image backgrounds, they've up-resed those, and they also changed the ending actually quite a bit significantly. There's more puzzle towards the end than there was originally. So with that context, uh, for for the viewers' information, it was ten dollars US on Steam. I think we, I, at least I got it for a roughly two dollars on sale. Oh. Yeah, it was on sale because I, I bought it during the Steam sale. I got wrecked by only buying it yesterday. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get my impressions. This is like a really poorly wit- written Star Trek episode with like rejected characters from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I could see that. Like it very much reminds me of I don't know the name of the episode, but there's an episode in Next Generation where uh, Picard and Wes crash land on a planet with some weird dude, and then they're just stuck in this desert planet and they have to like wander across the the open desert, and the other guys like chugging weird alcohol the entire time and then they find this weird ancient alien sculpture and it bazaps one of them it's it's a whole thing except that i having not seen the next generation i presume that those characters had depth and weren't monotone blocks of wood yeah basically yeah and i this is probably going to be my like final thoughts but i don't think the steam version is really worth it for the most part. Oh, absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel ripped off, especially having paid $10. But but to be fair, if you are like, oh, you know, I want to support the developers, or oh, Flash is going away in 2020, I still need a boy to play this, turn off the voices. There's a setting in the main You menu. could have told me. I didn't know that until after I played the Steam version. 
so basically this game is the premise is that you're you get this opening cutscene where you're in the ship and it's tumbling through space and it ends up crashing down on this planet you don't know which one at the, at the start but basically lots of your crewmates have died and all your systems are are basically shot and you have to figure out a way to fix them and seal the holes in the in the hull and get off the planet and it's a point-and-click adventure, so you go between rooms and try to find eye objects and use them with each other to solve the problems. It's a traditional point-and-click, like... Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this basically came from the era when Flash game point-and-click games, like, I don't know, those, like, Red Room, Escape Room stuff was really popular. No, totally. I mean, for what it is as a game, it's it's fine. I think that the problem really comes in with the uh, the writing, because the writing is designed to be read and this is my biggest problem with the voice work the writing is designed to be read so you know you'll get things like oh i have found this item i would do this but then when you have the voice acting involved and you ask for a hint or you click on a button and then you hear this dude with this super monotone voice saying i've already found or i this i've already repaired this panel there's gonna be no use to try that again and it gets really grating really really quickly yeah i mean like Um, i don't know what was going on with the voice recording but whoever thought that like the direction for okay you just crash landed on this alien planet you're you know risking your life you're trying to figure out how to get off this planet and they just sound bored (laughs) also you just overdosed on ambien and also, your one of your two other crewmates has died. Yeah, there's just like a corpse on the floor. He sounds completely... He's just like, oh, they died. They're a prop. I don't want to see any more skeletons today. <laughs> I should figure out a way to open the door so I can get his body out. And then, like, your captain just has, like, a metal spike through his gut. It doesn't seem to care. <laughs> He's like, oh, probably should fix that. It's fine. My, uh, my suit will heal me. You just need to get some glue. To be fair, if they had pulled the true grit and made him like actually sound like he was in pain for the entire thing, <laughs> that probably would have been worse than him not at all sounding like he has a giant metal rod jabbed through his chest. <laughs> yeah, but once you pull the gen- giant metal rod out, which you do very early on, he could get some personality. Although, to be fair, I think the captain is like maybe a better character than the player character, even though I wanted to just fire him out there a lot. Yeah. Easily. Like... At least, so the the player character at no point sounds surprised or worried that he's going to die or distraught that his crewmate has died. But at least the captain at the beginning when he has the metal spike through his chest, like he sounds in pain. And maybe some of his bad voice acting is covered up by the fact that his voice is put through a radio filter because they're talking to each other through their suits yeah. on radio. So Th- This game has this line at the end, which I think sums up the atmosphere of this game perfectly, which is, I, Captain, you, want, you know what I like about you? And he goes, what? And then he says, absolutely nothing. Now get me a cold <laughs> beer. <laughs> That's the last line of dialogue in this video game. For the record, that's new to the Steam version. There's actually no dialogue in any cutscene. Actually, I'll be honest with you, I really like the cutscene work. It reminded me, it gave me nostalgia for like StarCraft 2 cutscenes. It's like, I would say that the, the cutscenes are like mid 2000s level quality. The cinematography is actually pretty good, especially considering that it's a space, that it takes place in space where perspective and things like that are kind of hard to grasp. They're, they're okay as far as that's concerned so 
So, we're supposed to be talking about story. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've gotten past the... Uh, well, to be fair, the characters are all that there really is for that. So, it is related to the story, and if yeah. they're ones presenting it. Yeah, it's it's the plot. I, I remember back, I think it was in a film theory class, they're like, the difference between story and plot is story is what happens, and plot is how it's presented. Yeah. So, we got through a lot of the details about the plot, let's get to the story. Yeah. So you, the, the game kind of starts off with a little cutscene, assuming you're playing the Steam version, not the Flash version. Flash version has the intro cutscene as well. It's just like 16 color or something. Okay. <laughs> well, you're, you're coming in uh, and crash landing on this planet. It's pretty well done. I actually quite like the, the intro cutscene. And you crash land on this planet, and then everybody becomes insufferable. They realize that they're uh, on Dead Rock, which is a planet that not even the UN has come back from. Um, it's this dead desert world that's infinite. And then you kind of start trying to figure out, get your gripes where your other uh, passenger is dead and you need to repair the ship, as Lewis already said. Then uh, eventually uh, you scan the area and realize that there's a, a another ship that's close by, a military vessel. And so you're, you're tasked to go get it or go to it and get spare parts and come back with what you need. Yeah, because basically um, when you're still on the ship and trying to deal with issues like your captain getting a metal rod jammed through his chest, they find out that there are significant problems with your ship. Like not only are there hull breaches, but like two of your three engines are completely kaput and the third has a broken like fuel injector essentially. Yeah, and apparently just like a, a thing of super glue just fixes the hull breaches. It's nanotech super glue. Come on, it's, blind. It's- <laughs> fucking hot glue come on <laughs> oh and also your uh cryogenic chamber fluid which i think is supposed to keep you alive when you're cryo sleep is dead and it's supposed to be an allergy but it's all dead so you need to figure out how to somehow replace that and so basically you're like yeah we we need to go find resources hey there's another ship let's go see if we can scavenge it for parts yep so then you uh venture out and you go, start heading over there and you come up uh, come across a canyon and you have to get across. And your captain is an ass and says, no, you can't go around. That'll take several days. Build a bridge for all I care. <sighs> so kind of getting a little bit more into the story, when you uh, get Novak back into a good state, he tells you a little bit more about why you crashed. And he says that it was a gravitational anomaly. And so part of the thing that you have to do later on is to figure out why this happened and see if it's going to be a problem when you leave again. So that is actually a pretty interesting plot device, I guess, Mm -hmm. because it gives you a reason to do more than just, you know, leave. Yeah. When you're making your way over to the alien ship, there's there's a gorge that you have to cross and you end up toppling over a pillar to make a bridge, basically. By creating gunpowder, apparently. Yeah. Out of sand makeshift gunpowder i'm sure that it would work i'm sure that he knows the exact proportions to put everything automatically in his brain whatever it probably has it's an omni tool i don't explain to me why they needed screwdrivers and wrenches earlier but it's an omni tool sure anyways as in in front of this gorge there's this big stone head imagine basically like an easter island head but like 20 percent more creepy you're like well that's strange i guess i'll just leave it there I'm almost certain that that is not a naturally occurring rock. Right. I think is the line. Yeah, something like that. It's like, I don't, I'm pretty sure this is not naturally occurring. It's made out of a smooth stone or something. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, uh, I guess we still have to get off this planet and it's just a rock. So whatever at that point. 
but it does arouse curiosity and it kind of makes you wonder and then later when you're in the other the other military ship you find in some of the logs that you can scavenge from the dead bodies of the crew members there that they're like oh these creepy rocks are all over the place and they're also fighter jets well they don't necessarily make the correlation at first drones yeah sorry they're drones sentient drones yeah but they, they that's like a, a a late plot point thing yeah because it's not until you turn off the gravity device that anyways then those start attacking once you turn their gravity device off i mean there's not very much else to talk about in between that point and when you get to the gravity device yeah so here's kind of where i feel like this game could be incredible you know we played through another game a while ago on the show called tacoma and tacoma was amazing it wasn't very long but the reason it was amazing is because everything had text. Everything had history. Everything had story. You could walk up to any computer panel in that game. And in many ways, Tacoma is just a modern adventure game. It's not point and click. It's fully 3D and you can walk around. But in many ways, it is a modern adventure game. You can open up giant panels and read literally history about this world and kind of gain a lot of information out of that. I know essentially nothing about the backgrounds of these characters nothing about who they are or what they're even doing we know very little about the planet i really wish that the game had more like maybe because you do end up in like an alien facility at one point what if they had like a like a codex or something that maybe lets you decipher their writing and then figure out what the hell is actually going on on that planet because there's like a glossed over line where he says what do these things want with earth and it's like what do they want with earth <laughs> we never find that out no we don't and it i think that this is a an example of a of a neat sci-fi idea that is, I think, unfortunately, kind of poorly executed, and pro that was probably due to budget and time restrictions of like making a game in Flash, because you know most Flash devs never had huge budgets to do tons of work, so they probably just made a thing and put it up, right? It's kind of t too tied up in being Escape the Room, Escape the Planet game, yeah, uh, than being a game that's trying to tell a legitimate story. Yeah. The thing is that there's a story there. It's just like kind of tacked on and why even do it at that point, right? The structure is really cool though. Like I said, at the, I think at the beginning of this, uh, it very much could have been like a good episode of Star Trek, right? And Star Trek has a lot of really good episodes. You just need to give that context for the story to hold itself up, right? You know, I will say that the fact that there's kind of this mystery that never gets fully answered was one of the few reasons this game kind of stuck with me. I mean, I first played it years ago. Yeah, totally. For some reason, I thought about it, I think maybe a little less than a year ago in relation to this podcast, and I was like, oh, this might be an interesting one to suggest. And I think a lot of that was just because since everything was so open-ended at the end, I was like, this seems kind of interesting. What, what could be gleaned from what was presented mm. and then i played the steam version which tried to elaborate a little bit on the story but at the same time didn't <laughs> mm. i think my problem with the steam version is they could have done that with the ending cutscene, but instead they just went with yeehaw space cowboys we know give no fucks and which you know is kind of funny but also gets rid of all of the tension that was in that world yeah. I think with better presentation, this thing could be really cool, though. And I, I do agree that it could stick with you. Maybe an offhanded line like, we need to tell the UN, or like, we need to tell, or we need to get home, we need to tell them what's going on, instead of just a, hey, Captain, get me a beer. <laughs> they don't give a shit. 
They don't. They don't care. I mean, an, e- an easy way to inject a lot of this context and story into the game that we were missing is get rid of all the clickable things that don't add to the story, like the red herring. I'm like, oh, this is a funny thing. I'll probably have to use it to create the algae later by liquefying it or something. No, it's just a reference to their studio. It's literally a red herring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, though. It's like it's literally a red herring. I thought it, that, that's, a, that's a cute inside joke. That is maybe a poor example because I think that's fine. Everybody yeah. likes to put their own Easter eggs and things. But if they had like replaced the corpses that you click on and don't have anything in them with like... Uh, a log book that tells you about why they were at this planet or why they were flying by this planet. That would be a lot more interesting. It's worth yeah. mentioning that there are kind of log books in it, but they always start after the crash. So there's three that you find that talk about, like, whatever. Often they're used for hints, so one tells you the location of a camp they have to go to. Another one hints that, hey, you need to go to this other location. And the third one basically gives you the last hint you need to get one of the required items towards the end of the game right i i thought that those logbooks were some of the most interesting and i you know spent the most time on those not only because they were required to advance the story but because like i want to know why 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 are we having this gravity thing what are these stone heads and basically that and we figured it out but it was just kind of like they just kind of showed you eventually once you got far enough in the escape room basically i don't know if i had any predictions as i was going through the game but i guess my assumption was maybe i gave up too early on the game but basically once the main actor's voice was just very boring i found it very hard to engage myself in the game because if the if my character isn't doesn't sound engaged i'm just like okay i'm I'm just kind of checked out and just clicking buttons yeah i I kind of feel the same way. I'm playing. I think, unfortunately, the voice acting in this game kind of makes it. it, it it's like having an English teacher that just says, "So a noun is when you take this word and do this," and it you fall asleep in the class and you're like, "I didn't learn anything." <laughs> and unfortunately, it's it's kind of the same effect when you have, like, it all just kind of comes back to the poor presentation, which sucks. Now, like, if it had really compelling, good voice acting. And if they retooled the writing for the Steam version, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Also, to be fair, this game can be beat with a guide in like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. I should mention that. My second playthrough, once I knew what I was doing, was like an hour. Yeah. One thing that I did want to bring up, because I thought it was a pretty good piece of of puzzle, uh, a pretty good puzzle in the game. Piece of puzzle? What? A piece of a puzzle. <laughs> uh, so in the the room with the gravity well... Uh, so there, we didn't really mention this directly, but there is a gravity well in the game, and they figure out that this is why they had the gravitational anomaly, and that's what caused their ship to crash, and also the other military ship. But in front of the gravity well, there is a console, and there's alien writing on it, and you have to press buttons into the console to make it turn off. And the way that those clues were given to you is mostly just that they were presented on other bits of the environment, like uh, on pipes and... In the star, there was a, a galaxy map, and all the star systems were labeled with symbols, and you had to figure out which ones related to Earth, because one of the previous captains was in chamber in a different room, and you had to open that. I thought that was a pretty cool puzzle. Yeah, I thought the alien language was a really well-done puzzle, and one of the things I really remembered from this game from all those years ago. Yeah. 
I, I was going to say the other thing about that section of the game with the consoles is that uh, the atmosphere is really good. Like before, it's just kind of a desert planet, and these are some of the most interesting environments. Like the gravity well is this huge generator bladed round thing, and it has this reflective dome beneath it. And when you turn it off, a crystal drops out of it. And in the next room, there's this holographic star map in the sky, and it's pretty cool. I think this game just reminded me that I kind of really don't like point and clicks. Just in general. I, I Yes, I agree. We, we played a different one. I can't remember what it's called. Something Adventure? Another Adventure? No, that was the one I hated. No, Another Adventure wasn't the point and click. It was like the time traveling one, right? Yes, the time traveling Secret one. Secret something? I don't remember. But the, the like central problem that I have with those games too is that like, Oh, I have this wrench and this pipe and it needs to and I could put it here, but it doesn't let you because that's not what they want me to do. Yeah. Yeah, this game definitely suffers from obtuse point and click adventure puzzles. Silent Age. The Silent Age was the name of it. Yeah, that one. That game was interesting. I enjoyed the Silent Age because the story was actually pretty intriguing, but <laughs> yeah. when it's like, oh, here's a a bomb, but you can't use it on this door. You have to use it on the other door. <laughs> I will say this. What I would really like to see with this is a actual HD remake done in full 3D with better voice acting and more contextual information, like full-on walking simulator style. I'm not sure full 3D is really required if they just bumped up the fidelity of the still images so it looked you know, less kind of cartoonish, cel-shaded. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that could work too. Yeah, they did look very compressed, like they were being streamed at a low bitrate or something, but in a Steam game that barely matters. I kind of I kind of like that look, though. I kind of like the way the backgrounds look. They remind me of like... Is this why you liked Paratopic? <laughs> I, I It's my aesthetic deal with it. <laughs> okay. I like That's it. That's fair. Paratopic's a very different aesthetic, though. It's still old style. I think we all agree there's not much story-wise before you get to the facility. I mean, there's little things. You find the crew. You find out they're attacked by a fighter jet things. Um, you find more of the stone heads. Uh, but then you make it to the facility with a hundred, like, thousand of those stone heads just facing the entrance. And so you make it in. I think we should kind of continue with the story there, because what you figure out is whatever is going on, whoever's there, is basically creating a compendium of species. They are, you know, have these big vaults that, like, are holding samples that they've collected somehow, and they're, like, trying to keep them in, like, a pseudostasis thing. Um, you see, we mentioned the star map, so you can go to the star map to figure out what symbols correlate to what that you need, and you have to try to get the samples for... Uh, you know, you open up the one for the human that's in the earth so you can get his logs. They also can find the one for the sample of the same algae used to create the uh, cryogenic chamber. So you get that. And then you finally get to the uh, gravity generator. You recharge your battery bank so you have fuel to get off. And then you turn it off and this crystal lowers. And you're like, oh, I know what to do. Boom. <laughs> and you just blow it up with your rifle. So what we're saying is your character is a terrorist attacking intergalactic cartographers. Yep, exactly. That's that's right. That's about right. But what I think is interesting is the Steam version, this is actually the deviation point as soon as you destroy that crystal. If you want to know what the non-Steam version does at this point, 
basically the whole there's a whole thing in the Steam version where like the alarms get raised and all the drones start flying around and they have you have to figure out how to get back without getting noticed yada yada yada. None of that happens. You, you start going towards the exit. You do that same thing where you shoot the one uh, stone faced guy who's randomly there. You walk through. You go back to your ship and you leave uneventfully. <laughs> hmm. So in the Steam version, you actually have to reconfigure one of the other stone heads that's back for repair and fly it back to your ship and they actually give kind of compelling reasons for you to do that which is nice i i that's kind of where the characters did grow on me a little bit because i i really i okay so i i hated the first like hour of this game but the last 10 minutes i thought that there was a little bit of writing in there and some interactions between them that i thought were kind of cute in a way just the way they're hating each other but like in a funny way like when you go to uh reconfigure the it, that brickhead thing to make it into a thing that you can pilot the your, your captain doesn't say oh you know do this he's just like well i don't care if it's hard that's not my problem do it <laughs> get back here or we're dead I, I kind of liked the writing there. That was fun. And then, so you, you 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 pilot this thing back to your ship, right? And there's a swarm of drones behind it, and it, it all switches to cutscene at this point. You uh, jump into the ship, you, you put all your stuff back together, and then you take off. And I think the way that he kills them is you eject a fuel cell? Eject in one of the engines. Yeah. You eject one of the engines... And so there's a hole in the back of your spaceship, you're leaving the atmosphere, and your player character, Powell, Captain Novak's just like, you're not going to be able to do it, and you hold up your gun, and he times it correctly so you can avoid the blast, and he literally just, like, shoots the engine through space, through a hole in the back of a spaceship, and blows up all the drones. To be fair, it it wasn't first try or anything, he shot a ton of shots off trying to hit it. No, he shoots, like, a bunch of shots, he's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, one of the things that got added with the Steam version is when you do find that one that's, you know, that's in for repairs, you end up finding a diagnostic tool that someone constructed. There's sort of this implication that maybe someone was trying to figure out how to disable them. There's an alien you find that is, quote, stabbed recently. Yeah. What exactly they were doing is left unclear, but... Never addressed. Yeah, but you end up with this diagnostic tool and you run it on one of them. It's like, hey, here's some event logs. Oh, I see. It's running. It's running, running. There's an EMP pulse and it shuts off. It's like, huh, maybe we could use that. There's a, there's another uh, line that I'm just remembering now that gave me a chuckle. There's a puzzle where you need to get a thing out of a drain. So the way you get the thing out of the drain is you crack open a beer and pour it into the drain and the thing floats up and you pull it out. And there's a line right after you pour the beer out and he says, what a waste of a perfectly disgusting beer. I think that might have been new to this version, actually. Which was, it, I don't know why, but it just made me smile because I remember looking at the can and going, that looks like a shit beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's canned beer to begin with, so. It just it just looked bad and it was like, oh, that, that looks awful. <laughs> And he's just like, what a waste of a perfectly shit beer. It's like, <laughs> so, I don't know. Also, I realized I said EMP pulse, which is redundant. So, uh, do we have anything else to cover, or have we covered Descent to Dead Rock? That's pretty much it. Uh, I guess my final thought is that generally, lame and predictable, definitely not worth the $10 on Steam. So, if you have an hour and a half free in the next two years before flash dies just go online and play it i'd say it's worth the two dollars fifty that i paid for it i was like a buck 
maybe I've seen it before because it's been on my wish list for a while because Lewis recommended it before. So if you can find it for a dollar, um, but also I, I throw more money around at games than these two. So there's that. But uh, I don't know. I thought it, it had some redeeming qualities. If you like classic point and clicks and just want a novelty, it's neat. Um, like I said, it does have the structure to be something really cool. But outside of that, it's kind of lacking in presentation, I think. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I liked it because of the story. I mean, I thought the mystery was really interesting, and it just kind of stuck with me. No, totally. I don't know. There's, there's a lot I, to not like about it, but I found enough to like about it. It's got a charm to it, that's for sure. Yeah. Nostalgia is a big factor in whether you can enjoy a game, too. So if you have that... Then. A lot of people really like Donkey Kong Country, and I'm one of them. A lot of people really hate Donkey Kong Country, and I'm not one of them. So we shall wrap this episode up then. So thank you very much, everybody, for watching this episode of Story Mode. I hope that the shorter format is working for everybody listening. Uh, if you are listening to the audio version of this, you can find us everywhere except for iTunes at this point. I've gotten better about spreading it around. Um, still can't figure out how to get it on iTunes. We'll do that eventually, hopefully. The new one that's added is Spotify, in case people are on that platform. Yeah, we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify, and I think we're also available on Podbean, because Podbean pulls from Spotify as well as Stitcher. If that exists, that's a thing, I think. Anyway, there's too many podcast platforms and none of them pull from each other. Someone just needs an API for this shit. Especially if you're on SoundCloud, which we are, which is really difficult. So also you can find the video versions on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash one. We have a Steam curator, which is uh, Project Story Mode, I think. Or is it Story Mode Podcast? I think it's one of the two. Uh, and you can find it there. And uh, I tweet about this thing a lot. You can follow me at BlindRL. Do either of you guys want to shout anything out? Nope. I'm glad to, I'm glad to be playing more story games, though. Lewis was doing a task thing, and Eggman uh, edit or does stuff for uh, OpenRCT sometimes. That works. We good? Okay, fine. Thank you very much for watching Storm Mode. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.